This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Hello, Verselings. Welcome back to The Verse. Today, we'll be answering listener mail in The Verse transmissions, cover all the latest buzzworthy headlines in The Verse news, explore episodes five and six of WandaVision, and much more. And if we have time, we'll answer some viewer mail. Be sure to hang around until the end where there may be a post credit scene. We're about to start the show, but before we do, let's say hi to the team. I'm Bridget. I'm Lucas. I'm Emilia. And I'm Norm. And this is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. Let's see what The Verse Squad has come up with this week. All right, lots of uh, Marvel news, I think, at least in the form of clips released this week for a clip for Loki and a clip for Black Widow. Did anyone catch those? I got the Loki one. I did not see the Black Widow one. What was it? I yeah. saw the Black Widow one where she, uh, her and uh, the blonde one, uh, <laughs> I can't remember her name. Blonde, blonde Widow. Florence blonde Widow and uh, instead of Red Widow um, are like jump in the car to try and get away from another person on a motorcycle. It was just like a quick car chase scene. Yeah, that's, I don't remember her character's name actually, but she is her like surrogate sister type character and she's played by Florence is it Pugh. Florence Pugh? Yeah. Yeah. Florence Pugh who was the lead in Midsummer. Um And she was in Little she Women. Was incredible she's a solid yeah. actor. She's been a solid actor for in so many films that it's kind of like, you know, just a matter of time before she gets like the Marvel gig. So good on her. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um her name is Yelena. Yelena. Mm. Ah, thank yeah. you. Got it. Got it. Took me a little bit, but I got there. I got there, guys. <laughs> so on Disney Plus, they will be releasing the Fury Files starting this Friday, the twenty first. The Fury uh, Files. Yeah, what are the Fury, Fury Files? Is it similar to the thing they did previously, where it was like giving you backstory on characters, but in an artful way? Yes, yes. This will be this will be done using um, motion comics and some clips from the Avengers cartoons. Oh, that's great. Oh. It won't be voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. It will be animated. Um, instead, it's going to be uh, voiced by Chi McBride, uh, who does uh, Nick Fury's voice for all the cartoons, basically, that um, Marvel makes. Nice. That's awesome. Now, so I know we just had talked about the Black Widow clip, but did anyone see the Loki clip? Mm-hmm. They did also release a new poster for Loki. and That I saw. I'm not a Doctor Who fan, so I really cannot elaborate on this. But a lot of people are saying that this poster is its very similar to Doctor Who posters. And they're thinking that it's going to be a hint to like what the p- real plot of the show is going to be. Uh, so I don't know if there's any... It is does there, have if, some, some yeah. Whovian vibes. It does kind of make it look like Loki is a Time Lord or something. But Is he holding a sonic screwdriver or something? No, it's like the the I don't know. It's something about like the background kind of looks like a big clock, right? Like a golden yeah. clock. Yeah, like I feel like I've seen a, a poster of like Matt Smith, like 
making arms of the camera. I can't explain it over audio. <laughs> but then, then like the TARDIS is behind him, and there's a circular like vortex. Yeah, thing. there's this like, little animated clocky thing, and then above yeah, him are the time that's what's drawing wars, me. Whatever. Um, yeah, there's like shadowed figures that are in the back yeah. of the poster for Loki, which is very similar to posters that have been released in the past for Doctor Who. It was the same sort of lineup, so that's why a lot of people are theorizing already based on a poster. That well, they, this could be they plot. did say in the the one trailer that there will be uh it it will be about Loki fixing the time stream that he broke by escaping at the end of uh or in Endgame. In Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's with the TVA, which are like the time something authorities. The time cops. Time cops. Yes. Time cops. I think Jean Claude's somewhere in there. Call Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I'm pumped for this series. Like, I'm very, very excited to watch this. Because, yeah, I the think, tone looks fun. Yeah, Loki, Loki needs his moment. He needs his moment in the sun. He really does. He does love to talk, as they say in the clip. And I never realized, or I forgot, perhaps, like how dramatic his delivery is as Loki, because he's like talking to this guy and they're having a. The other guy's talking like a, a reasonably normal movie character, and Loki's just like, I just stepped out of a Shakespearean play. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but that's like Tom Hiddleston for you, too. Like, that's basically like a, yeah. a lot of his roles. He, he goes full Shakespeare. <laughs> Full, full, full frontal. Uh, yeah, but I'm. I'm... Oh, that's the kind of Shakespeare I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? <laughs> I'm just reverting back to ninth grade English class. That's as far as I go. But... That's, that's where I usually go back to as well. <laughs> On that topic, there's a big anniversary with Tom Hiddleston this past week, and it has officially been. 10 years since Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth were both cast in the first Thor film. And they both posted on social media, like posts to each other tribute because when they were initially cast in those roles, they were no names essentially to take on these huge roles. And I mean, look at, look at the powerhouses that they've become. Did you see that article they linked to though, where it was like the, critic who was saying i have it right in front of me from vulture vulture.com this was written may 19th 2009 marvel rolls dice cast no names for thor you should just (laughs) cast a bunch of losers no but literally the first line of the article this is the first line of the article we love this 2009 for you folks despite rumors that had everyone from shia labeouf to josh harnett (laughs) being cast in the this version of thor they have instead gone with Australian actor Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston to play his well, nemesis. <laughs> the funny thing there is, is Tom Hiddleston actually auditioned to be Thor. Yes, that is true. If you, have you seen the video of him yes. in his audition? He's got this yes. horrid blonde wig on his head and he's like swinging like like Thor's hammer. <laughs> if, you, if you've never seen it, everyone pause. Go YouTube it and then come right back here. <laughs> just, just think of how weird it would would be uh, to see him as Thor instead of Loki because he has delivered such an iconic performance as Loki that I don't think I could see him any as anything else in the Marvel no, universe. Absolutely not. It just feels wrong. Like if that just would seem wrong and unnatural. 
I will. Well, we've got a great new yeah. idea for Marvel's What If series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like true. That's so it. true. That's so funny because, I mean, that's 10, 10 years. Well, actually, 2009, that article was written. So it's actually yeah. like it's longer than that. You know, I just was seeing a bunch of like old things on Twitter that for the first Iron Man film. Oh, God, the actor who originally played Rhodey was getting paid like quite a few million dollars and rdj was not making like any money people forget how far rdj fell from grace and then this really resurrected his career i mean after that he everyone was like all right he is a really good actor we Mm -hmm. should get him in more things and you know he luckily kept it clean and and kept going so good for him that's why it's so poetic because rdj really is iron man oh yeah i mean that was really inspired casting if you ever read the comics like somebody who had a, a struggle with alcoholism right that was the iron man comic so yeah, like, yeah. that was I the mean, comics. It made sense like there's a parallel it made so much sense if like when you pull back and think of it but truly like a lot of this stuff is a gamble i mean for all of his filmmaking yeah. is a gamble where you start out where you end up is two very different places so yeah so are we done with our our, our marvel discussion because i do have extra news from different universes that we I would like to. Discuss. Well, I do have one small piece of Marvel okay, information, and it's on the note of casting, because the big thing that's been trending is everyone has been posting who they would like to see as their ideal Fantastic Four cast um, for the new Fantastic Four film, and the front runners uh, to play Mister Fantastic and in Invisible Woman, Invisible Woman uh, were Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. And so Emily Blunt. She just crap all over that. (laughs) Yep. She goes, she said, she just goes, I don't like superhero movies. They're just not for me. I don't understand them. Uh, And so she was like, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So fans were quite disappointed because they Um, really wanted her in there. There was quite a little bit of backlash. That's the best way, though, to like stop rumors when it's actually happening. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say, this could be like the greatest publicity stunt Mm -hmm. of all time. Yeah, so I'm I'm holding my breath because you never know, mm-hmm. you never know. So, well, and John Krasinski did originally audition for Captain America, so this could be his chance to uh, come back to I the MCU. Reed Richards, he'd be great. I mean, those two would be phenomenal as those characters, but whatever. There's also men. Whatever like we've seen in the past, there's a lot. Sometimes people you wouldn't even expect just embody the role. So. Robert Downey Jr. RDJ, so, baby. anyways. Um, <laughs> well, what I wanted to talk about, and I'm curious to see how this lands with the rest of the crew, but uh, Netflix shared Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe new animated series, some stills from it. Oh, yeah, I there's some stills. And, and uh, on social media, he had a very heartfelt post about it. And I am I am actually very excited about it. I grew up on He-Man and, and She-Ra. And when I really loved it when they rebooted She-Ra. On Netflix, not that long I ago. I did it was, not watch. It's a good series. It's actually it's actually a good series. Uh, it, it it furthers what the original cartoon was trying to do, and I think does it in a better way. Uh, just because now you can actually talk about these subjects and not have to tiptoe around it too much. So I thought it was great when they announced there's two He-Man series coming to Netflix. One, the Kevin Smith one, which is going to be a continuation of what happened in the '80s which is what I'm really excited about. It's called Revelations. Yes. Or? Revelation. That looks cool. I'm obviously very excited for that. The second one, I'm going to hold my breath on for a little bit just because I haven't seen enough of it, but I'm already way in for the Kevin Smith version. 
I just, you know, as long as it's not Prince Adam, is it a Prince Adam thing where he like transforms? Yeah. I just wish they just, like, I'm Iron Man. He's like, I'm He-Man. Just be He-Man. You don't have to be Prince Adam. <laughs> just be He-Man every day of your life. <laughs> so the first couple photos from the set of Obi-Wan Kenobi were released. So Ewan McGregor is in full Obi-Wan effect. The beard has grown in quite nicely, and I am very excited to share progress pics. And Lucas is even sporting his own Obi-Wan beard. You're called your Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> My Obi-Wan Kenobi. That is, thank you, Amalia. That's like, it's what I'm going to call it for now on. So thank you. <laughs> so there has been a lot of rumors that an Internals 2 has already begun development with Marvel Studios. So Eternals is coming out this year. It's one of the newest additions to the MCU. Hasn't even released yet. And the second one is in development. But that sort of makes sense because I mean, Eternals has been in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's been a <laughs> very delayed release for that. But I think you guys will get a kick out of this. This is my last piece. So trending on Twitter this week, it was hashtag release the Schumacher cut, which is in reference to Batman Forever. With Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey, with Val Kilmer, and and... yeah, I, I'm aware. I'm aware that this, yeah. th- this existed on Twitter, and I gotta yes. tell you, like, there's a reason I didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, news, you though, which, Lucas. Come on, listen. I love me some Schumacher, man. Like, but that one, oof. So but yeah, I don't get that. Like, honestly, for whatever reason, I wrote Schumacher off as only doing two really, really bad. Um, Batman movies, but then I look like look just his, recently I went back and looked at his filmography. He's great. I have no idea where this Batman came from. It doesn't even make sense with any of his movies that he's made. Like, I revisited Falling Down, which you actually read my review of it on such a good, Radar. Such a good God, film. I mean, just like yeah, he's he was technically a really talented director, but like he had a style that it's. I remember like, growing up in the '90s, like he really helped create the the style of cinema of that era. So like we we owe a big you know a, a lot of love and respect for Schumacher, but then we also can be annoyed at his Batman films, um, you know, which in some ways are a funny relic because if you're a fan of the original TV show with Adam West, like it turns out he was trying to like kind of make his films more like that, but I don't know after um, what's it called after you know Tim Burton it just felt like it was not the direction I wanted him to go in. All right. Does anyone else have any other news stories? So that was the news. And now we're moving on to technically some more news, but news about the Verse Squad uh, and the Verse Podcast. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the uh, an interview that we did with the, Von- the WandaVision VFX uh, studio team. Uh, we talked to Lon Molnar and Anthony DeCellis about... The different effects that they use for WandaVision and the different uh, ways that they recreated the effects of the era. It was a really great conversation and we are excited to release that and for everyone to hear it. For those of you who do not know, uh, they work for Mars, which is stands for Monsters, Aliens, Robots, and Zombies. I mean, that's like the dopest name ever, but besides the point. That's good stuff. <laughs> And coming up, we're also going to do the Verse Squad Blind Spots with our new Padawan, Emilia, who has not seen any of the Star Wars. <gasps> Gasp. So everyone. Yes. But from what I've heard, she's just taken her first step into a much larger world. She has. 
But before we talk about this, if you want to follow along, everyone should go and watch Star Wars A New Hope. So while we do these, you can watch them right alongside us and experience it like it is the first time. Every time. Yes. I've taken my first step. It's a five-step program. Or actually, wait, it's a 12-step <laughs> program. Oh, my um, God. That's right. Is there, there's probably right. something that's a little too on the nose oh about my God. that. We're going to have to deprogram Many you steps. afterwards. <laughs> Not uh, affiliated with other step stepped programs that are famous. But I've taken my first step into understanding the Force. Um, anyway, for those of you who have been faithful listeners of the verse from when we first introduced this, I suggested perhaps Luke, because I didn't know who he was or what he did, perhaps he's a farmer. Funny story. Maybe he is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> that was... That's right. Much more to come. We'll go, we'll go over yes. that. We, this yes. We'll go over review. that. All will be revealed. <laughs> and that was The Verse News. Coming up next, we dig into episodes five and six of WandaVision. Lucas? Let's start the recap. Welcome to the 80s, where the hairstyles aren't the only big things happening in the WandaVision household. Vision is becoming increasingly aware that something just isn't right in the town of Westview. But who can focus on that when we get a glimpse of Baby Vision during the WandaVision opening credits? So who's cuter, Baby Vision or Baby Yoda slash Grogu? Before you can even answer that question, the twins suddenly age up to four years old, Thank goodness Agnes always shows up at just the right time with what the family needs. Kind of strange that she isn't phased by all this magic happening around town. In a world... Oh, hold on. Sorry. <coughs> In the world outside Westview, Monica Rambeau rejoins Agent Wu and meets Dr. Darcy Lewis. The three are wary of Hayward, the director of S.W.O.R.D., and his assessment that Wanda is purely a threat and should be treated as such. They start an investigation of their own into the Hex, which is that reality-manipulating dome over Westview, and they start investigating how it can rewrite reality. But their efforts are compromised when Hayward tries shooting Wanda with a drone. She doesn't take too kindly to that and steps out of the Hex to warn Sword to stay away. Hey, her accent's back. Things start to come to a head inside the Hex as Vision gets more and more paranoid about his true reality. The dog dies, and Mom and Dad are fighting. Oh no! Everything seems to be going wrong until Quicksilver shows up. Yeah, you heard that right. Quicksilver. And we're talking Evan Peters, not Aaron Taylor Johnson. Wait, but X-Men aren't in the MCU, so how does that work? Cliffhanger! Episode 6 starts with a grungy 90s Malcolm in the Middle spin on the WandaVision theme, and we get a look at everyone in comic book accurate costumes. Why are they wearing them now? Because it's Halloween. Trick or treat, smell my feet, don't lock me in a hex force field? That doesn't rhyme. Anyway, that means it's time for Halloween hijinks. Stealing candy, smashing pumpkins, and... Broken NPCs? Detective Vision is getting warmer. Or colder. Really cold. Like, life was cold. Dude, get back in the hex! Speaking of the outside world, Hayward is hell-bent on taking Wanda down. Do I sense a villain arc? And he's clearly okay with removing anyone who questions him or gets in his way, 
including our trio of truth seekers. But that's not going to stop them. They escape their military escort and start investigating a new mystery. What is Hayward really up to? The team's making progress when suddenly Wanda increases the size of the hex to save Vision. As the bubble expands, the sword base gets rewritten into festive tents, hot air balloons, and clowns. Let's face it, that base was basically a circus anyway with Hayward at the helm. So, let's discuss everyone's initial reactions. What did you all think? You know, I I love this episode. This is this is where everything starts gaining steam. It starts off in that full use of 16 by 9 instead of where we were before. It just explodes from here on. We got two two sitcom openings. Um, very, very familiar ones as well. I'm finally catching up because I hadn't I hadn't seen a lot of the older sitcoms they were referencing, but these ones felt extremely nostalgic. Okay, so so you're aware of Family Ties? A or, little or bit. Wait, a or little was bit. this or was this or the more other Malcolm one? in the Middle? More Malcolm in the Middle. A little bit of Full House. Right. Um, you remember Lucas? The other last episode, you said how your Nick at Night was the Brady Bunch. Yes. Yes. My Nick at Night was Malcolm in the Middle. But you know what though? <laughs> like, so I feel like. If you're older, you enjoy this show more because every single one of these has been nostalgic. Even the old, like, I Love Lucy's and uh, Partridge Family. So getting into this, I mean, I know all these shows so intimately well that, and and I think I mentioned in these, in the earlier episodes, how they really commit to this concept. And now that we're like, what is it, uh, you know, deep in. And they just keep doubling down and tripling down and, and, and like it, you're along for the ride. And that's why I think this idea that they do these recreations of era specific, uh, it just really they, they stick the landing consist, consistently over each of these episodes. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I liked so I, I never grew up watching Family Ties, but I liked that for the opening of uh, the episode five. It reminded me a lot of the opening of Full House, too. Uh, because they kind of blended those two decades a little bit. Yeah, her hair um, was super, super yeah. accurate at the time. Yeah, and so I, that was cool. I When I watched Assembled, the making of WandaVision, the creators of the show loved episode five. A lot of people kept saying this was their favorite because for them it was the most nostalgic because it's like the right age when they were kids mm-hmm. and how this was their favorite theme song. And originally this was probably my least favorite episode episode five was probably my least favorite episode of the series um i think because i did not connect with that nostalgia because i didn't watch like those shows growing up but i had watched like i love lucy dick van dyke and like malcolm in the middle and all these other shows so i didn't have that connection but so much happens in episode five that i find myself thinking about it more often than a lot of other episodes because so much happens. One of my favorite things about the episode five uh, opening is we get to see a picture of baby vision because they were doing that mm. trope of <laughs> everyone growing up a little bit. And we yeah. see little baby vision there. and He's so cute. Baby vision, kid vision, teen vision. Yeah. Um, I need to bring up because we're just right on topic. So obviously baby vision was in the beginning, but I equally love and hate the internet at the same time because after <laughs> this episode aired, the love and obsession that was outpouring on Twitter and Instagram and anything you can think of, of 80s vision and how people were referring to him as Zaddy because they (laughs) (laughs) just were obsessed with Paul Bettany's look in this episode. And 
I I don't I don't know how I feel about it because I was like, oh, look at baby vision. And they're like, no, look at daddy vision. Daddy vision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have to give Paul Bettany some props. He looks good in every era. Everyone, everyone. It's 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 uncanny that he can do this. It's, it's and, not well, right. Get, we got to give credit to whoever was styling the show because the costumes, the hair, the makeup, they could they, not only do they do a good job that's era specific, they make the characters look amazing. And I mean, granted, Paul Bettany's kind of like, you know, an amazing dude to begin with. So I'm sure that helps. Only a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and it <laughs> opens with them like they're trying to put the twins to sleep and. There's this moment where Wanda's like, um, oh, I'm not supposed to use my powers on you, but I'm going to make an exception here. But it doesn't work. And I mean, well, at first I was wondering, like, I was debating in my head the ethics of using mind control powers <laughs> on babies. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Would be curious to hear from. from... I mean, is she, is she really overstepping her bounds by using them on babies instead of just all of the residents of Westview? Well, we don't, like, yeah. you know, we don't need a. <laughs> but you could also ask like most new mothers if they had the choice to be able to. S- oh, I'm with her. I'm with her. Kid- yeah, yeah. I think who cares about the morals? She just had to get some sleep. It's so okay. yeah. So one of the things I enjoy um, about here on was that they are breaking what they had already set up in the earlier episodes. Once once the yes. episode uh, four came out, uh, the um, we pardon or we interrupt this program. You know, instead of coming back and in the 80s, we still would have been in the uh, four by three format. We're now mm-hmm. in six by nine the entire time. And Norm, and- if you remember last time I said how that that episode originally uh, we entered this program, I was not sure if I liked it or not. Right. And and second time, I so much more appreciated it because of what's happening now. They right. had to set us up for what is to come. And this is what's to come. Right. And and while this is all going on, they're also. uh uh, they're, they're also breaking the the fourth wall a little bit within within the hex. Yeah, almost um, immediately something yeah, weird happens. Agnes comes walking in and and like she's like, "Do you want me to take that line over again?" And and visions just noticeably like, "What what is she talking about? What is going on?" And you start getting this this uh, not everything is perfect in in this this little bubble that they are now living in. Yeah, it made me wonder yeah. why, because like when Agnes had that moment where she like breaks character, basically, it was like the whole show screeched to a halt. And I was wondering, like, why is it now harder for Wanda to control things? Because it seems like she recently learned herself that she's behind all of this. Like she learned that along with us in some ways. And I wonder if like that is making it more difficult for her that self awareness. Mm. Yeah. yeah, being being yeah. more self aware instead of it just randomly happening. Yeah, I think well, that's that's part of it. I think Emilia, you were on it just a couple minutes ago when you were talking about how she can't. She like saying she wants the twins to go to sleep, but her powers won't work. Mm-hmm. And her line is, "Why won't you do what I want?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and so that just it just kind of stuck out stood stood out to me. Because obviously she's trying to control them and obviously seems to be controlling other people. So, yeah. It's kind of kinda... on character. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the brand. ethics of controlling your babies, they also, uh, <laughs> I was also, <laughs> which I, again, I would totally do if I had children and superpowers. Um, you're not judging. You're not judging. <laughs> but, uh, no judgment. 
I also liked the bit with Agnes where she was like, oh yeah, I'm just looking for something brown, some some liquor to give the babies. And I'm like, that was that was acceptable at some point in time as yes, well. I think it was controlling babies. <laughs> Colicky babies were given bourbon and, all, uh, and teething to try and help them uh, calm down. Go yeah. figure. <laughs> well, you know what? In in cold medicines, Opium. there's a lot of yeah. Oh well, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh boy. I was <laughs> like, even in modern cold medicines have ba- alcohol, but yes. Well, yeah. But back in the day, a lot of medicine had opium and and other. Uh, and cocaine was in Coca Cola. Yeah, mean, no, just, just a just a bit of milk of the poppy to calm you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's take a real turn tonight, guys. <laughs> we, took, we took a left turn at some point near Albuquerque. Anyways, so yeah, that was a crazy scene in the beginning. But also, I just I adore Catherine Hahn in this episode. I think she just comes on so phenomenal. She comes in the scene and she's like bouncing in and out of character, you know, and she's like, Oh, you want me to take that from the top? And then she's right back into you know, Agnes, the nosy neighbor. And she's just so funny. She's got that 80s, like, workout attire on. Like, she's ready to do a Pilates <laughs> class. And she is just strutting her stuff. And the line that uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Wanda, says, she's like, well, sorry, like, I, I, Agnes can't help it if she's an incredibly high libido. And I was like, <laughs> I have never heard, like, a more 80s line than right there. Uh, and it was hysterical. So Girls just want to have Hans fun. Amazing. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Get out no, of but, here, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, though, that is really cool about this is I'm like was getting really sick of '80s nostalgia before. You know, seeing this episode made me realize, though, that it's not that I'm sick of '80s nostalgia. I'm just sick of when it's not done right. Uh, like Stranger Things, like kind of, kind of put the I think period at the end of that. Like, okay, we get it. Like everybody loves the '80s again. Um, so I kind of was like thought I would not enjoy this as much, <laughs> but I'll tell Norm you, Norm is like, shaking the, uh, his head. No, the the workout, uh, you know, the whole workout attire, the stuff, and Catherine Hahn just being hilarious as always. Like I was like, oh, it's not that I'm sick of the nostalgia; it's just that when if you incorporate it right and it makes sense to the story, then I'll be on, along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And that's something I got to give them, them credit for because I'm kind of over the '80s nostalgia. Yeah. My, my my disdain of the '80s aside, it's it's still fun to to see the tropes of the '80s get poked fun at. The hairstyle, um, the very flashy and ugly fashion, uh, and you're right. She shows up wearing what you would have you would have seen in a Buns of Steel video with uh, purple leotards, headband. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. And if you haven't watched Glow, you should watch that show, even though it's never gonna get a proper ending. But yeah, they also a, did it very well. Did Glow so. get canceled? Did I just like ruin your life? Oh my god! You didn't know? I, I don't think they're gonna do a final <laughs> yeah, season, and they might not get way. a final movie. Mark Aww. Maron's pushing for it. Anyway, <sighs> I'm like a little devastated. We could do the now. Glow universe. <laughs> Sorry. True. But, but we, honestly, come back to that. oh, I I was gonna say is when I rewatched this, I was so excited to come on to the verse to discuss this solely to hear Norm's rage uh, toward the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, I will not rage out uh, against the 80s right now. I will hold that in for another day. But I think that is a testament to the show that like because they're doing every era, it doesn't feel forced. It makes sense exactly. to the story. Mm-hmm. So you can do good nostalgia if you just do it right in the in the presentation and the storytelling. Yeah. 
And and Bridget, you talked about how Catherine Hahn is just doing an immense amount of work because she is heavy lifting, yeah, tons of heavy lifting going in and out of this character that she's supposed to portray within the show. Show (laughs) within the show. Show she's portraying another character, so it's 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 really fun to see. But also, she's expected to carry this heavy lifting of watching these two babies all of a sudden become like what about four years old. And she just rolls with the punch, and you're 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 sitting there as an audience member. You're going, that's the kind of babysitter I would. (laughs) Yeah, like like wow, she's just really going with this. Okay, yeah, not freaked out at all. I'd be if I was her, I would have been running out the door screaming. No, it was perfect. She was sitting up on the countertop, legs up, feet up, drink in hand. She's like, oh, kids, they grow up so fast, (laughs) or something along those lines. And it was perfect. It was so so. She had to drink the brown stuff herself now because it would be, you know, it's okay to give it to babies, but you couldn't give it to a four year old. Not four year old, absolutely. (laughs) I want her over for cocktails to chat. That would be wrong. (laughs) Yes, we draw a line there. You know. uh, under under eighteen months is fine, and then uh, obviously over twenty one, we're good. So you must be eighteen months or older. Eighteen months or younger. <laughs> or younger. Everything between uh, eighteen months and exactly twenty one years of age is just wrong. Terrible. Absolutely unethical. Do, do not. not do that. <laughs> I love that I'm giving parenting advice, and I can't even take care of a goldfish. So That's I mean, did great. you try bourbon with the goldfish? It would probably kill it. Just pour <laughs> a shot into its tank. tank. Yeah, yeah. You might be parenting wrong if you're giving <laughs> shots to your goldfish for sure. So moving but, on. <laughs> moving on. Moving but on. We, we start getting. We start in the the beginning of this episode. Vision starts seeing the cracks in the facade, as it were. He, he's seeing yeah. that stuff's not right, and you know, uh, Agnes coming in and uh, see, seeing basically setting that scene where she's like, you, do you want me to take that over again? Like really throws vision off. But then, you know, the kids growing up even a little, um, you know, from, from baby to four throws him off even more. And then what happens, they go out and they find a, a dog in their backyard. And one is like, you're not ready for that. And then all of a sudden they grow up to be about 10 years old. And it's like every time that something seems to be going wrong, you know, something else happens and visions like why, why does it seem like every single time something it's like, it's too uh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Why, why does it seem like every time I'm about to bring something up that might be uncomfortable, something else happens to distract us from this. Yeah. I think another one of my issues with this episode at first is it felt uncomfortable because there was tension between the characters and it was just beautifully done. I mean, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, we say it till we're blue in the face. They're just doing an incredible job portraying these characters and really setting that emotion for every scene. And so for me, I really felt like watching this episode, a kid, you know, experiencing their parents fighting. Like, that's what it felt like. You know, like, oh, mom and dad are mad at each other. They're arguing. I don't like this. Yeah, by the end of the episode, it's like the first time there's like real, like really dramatic conflict between them. And because before it's always been like very simplistic, just very charming. Sitcom level. Sitcom kind tension, of right? tension. That's resolved yeah, by the end. Exactly. It's It follows a rhythm. It's very predictable. And now it's like they're just... They're just yelling at each other, and it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, but in a way, though, they're like 
established in the eighties and they're breaking into something more like modern, more cinematic. That's not in the, of that uh, sitcom world we're used to. So I, I do like that. That's what they were playing with in this episode where, as Norm said, like they already showed that they were going to fracture the format in the previous episode. And I, I swear, like I did not respect the previous episode enough until rewatching it. And I realized for us to, to accept that they were going to do that in this episode, they had to set the board for us. And uh, and that's one of the things I give him credit for, like and and vision his his whole surrealistic, almost nightmare that he's living in is actually kind of fascinating that I didn't really pick up on the first time because I was in some ways a little more like fun following Wanda's journey. Uh, and this time watching it through visions, you're like, yeah, if, I, if this was his life, like this is fascinating that he's like it's as we talked about, it's almost like a Twin Peaks or Twilight Zone show yeah. at points like his life has now went from this bucolic perfect thing to something a little more dark and sinister and so we're kind of along on his journey now and that's i i like that kind of switch they're doing where he's becoming more dominant in the in the story his perspective lucas we are on the same wavelength because literally everything you just said is exactly how i yeah. felt like astrophysics honestly, buddy <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time that i watched went, went through this yeah episode four i was like wow this Maybe this doesn't make sense here or whatnot, but I was yeah. way judgy the first time through, and it, it, um, me too. Yeah. And and then this episode and everything, and and the following episode, you know, with uh, five and six, it was like, okay, now I see where we had to go. We had yeah. to be there. Okay, this is now. Now this is all making sense. And you're right. I was focused on Wanda's story. Watching it again, all of a sudden, I'm watching Vision and that that epiphany he has towards the end, where mm-hmm. he's like. I don't remember my life before Westview is like was first off great, great acting. Good delivery, yeah. Amazing delivery. And and just like the tension that built up there felt so much more real this mm-hmm. time around than the first time I watched it and just gave me a much, much deeper appreciation for this episode. But this is the credit to what what they did, what Marvel did with this series is that like they took a gamble and they, they really, like I said, I keep saying over and over again, uh, they committed to the concept. So it would take, they knew like it's going to take four episodes to get us to this point. So they're trusting that you're going to watch all of them. You know what I mean? Like, and this is what I love about where modern television filmmaking is going. Like, and, and I'm going to be a huge advocate for this to begin with. Like what Marvel and Disney is doing in a streaming service right now is really revolutionary and interesting. Um, and that's why some a show like WandaVision is going to get dismissed by people who are typically, I think, uh, not Marvel fans. I did say earlier in episodes that th- I think it does expand the universe enough for some people to catch on. They're going to catch other people. But this is what they're working in. They're really doing some very innovative, uh, you know, execution of their of their stories, of their characters. So, yeah. Hats off to this uh, to the, the next few episodes up leading up to the finale. I mean, which we're going to talk in the future uh, is is uh, this is a fun ride now that we're going. Yeah. So I think, too, what was so unique about this episode is that it did bounce back and forth in the sitcom versus, let's say, what the normal MCU would look like yeah. in reality. And they did it pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. I, I I, mean, obviously, there was probably some areas where it was probably awkward. But for the most part, like I was following along pretty well. Uh, in both storylines because that's what's happened. There's like two full storylines like happening and it was really great and I just love 
Randall Park as Jimmy Woo and <laughs> yes. Kat Dennings we as We talked about that. Darcy if I could Lewis, have hang out with amazing. one MCU character, I mean or actor, Randall Park would be like at the top of my list. I mean I mean is he is he not likable in anything he's done? I mean I honestly. have no idea cuz I if, I haven't seen anything yet where I'm like, wow, I I I can't stand Randall Park in this. I, every time I see him I'm like, oh look, Randall Park. If I could frame the image of him in this episode walking up with his cups of coffee for his new friends that he yeah, has because he's just bringing them coffee <laughs> it is like the most heartwarming moment in probably this whole series i swear he's just so genuinely such a happy character and he's like ted lasso he's just in got that, such in good intentions right and i also loved this episode because you see him actually like stand up for himself in front of hayward and he says the line Hayward is like explaining who the Avengers are, who Wanda and Vision are. And he basically tries to give a synopsis of their past. And he just goes, well, that's a, oh, I just had it in my head. I just blanked. Uh, Oversimplified. <laughs> yes, oversimplified. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so funny. So funny. Yeah. Oh, that's an oversimplification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and, and, you know, while... He, because the reason why you're going to gravitate more towards Agent Wu is because he, Monica, Rambo, and Darcy Lewis are all trying to find out. I'm sorry, Dr. Darcy Lewis. Let's give her credit. She she, <laughs> she did the work. I didn't she go to evil she, medical school for nothing. <laughs> exactly. She, deserve, she deserves the title. Um, they're actually trying to find out what, what's actually happening. Whereas Hayward's just pointing fingers. And, and you know, Randall, uh, Jimmy Wu stands up for that. Being like that's an oversimplification. Here's here's more of the context because in as we learn in life, especially as you get older, context does matter in everything that happens. And he's trying to give that context. And you can see Hayward's just like, listen, don't don't step on my thunder. If you're not going to agree with me, you know, hit the bricks. Yeah, and it's funny because Hayward would have had. I actually thought Hayward would have had a point because when he's first talking about this, he's basically like. You know, Wanda is a threat. She is holding these people hostage. And regardless of intention, like, that is that is the biggest thing. Like, our main priority should be the the safety of those residents, of those innocents. But he just, he just takes a villainous turn so quickly. And I think this, I, honestly, I think this happens with a lot of Marvel villains. Um, yes. That they're like, Agreed. they're like, this is, this might be the bad guy. And then five minutes later, it's like, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely the bad, bad. guy. <laughs> but uh, so in this case, that happened as well. But it, um, but yeah, that, that's why the, the trio of truth is um, <laughs> nice. become True. the heroes here because they are just, they are looking for that nuance, you know, they, and they, they do want to prioritize the safety of the residents, but they're also very like, they're like, well, Wanda was an Avenger and she right. did fight in the Infinity War. It's also, it's also a call to the, the whole MCU in general that they don't, they don't do black and white. They do many shades of gray and they try, they try showing that here being like, listen, it's not, it's not that simple, simple. Nothing's ever this simple. There, there's there's something going on here, but it's not quite what we think. Monica goes into it being like, it doesn't seem malicious. It doesn't seem like she's doing this. So calling her a terrorist doesn't make sense. Well, it's funny because whoever edited this and when they were talking about Hayward and they're in the control center talking, Monica and Agent Moore are having a side conversation and they're talking about Hayward and they say a line 
that it, like they're saying, oh, and he is speaking of Hayward, <laughs> and then it cuts to Hayward, and he goes a terrorist, like he was, like he just like they edited it, like he's calling himself a terrorist, and I thought that was so that's clever a good comedy moment. Well, I that's yeah. Marvel that cut, though, because Darcy yeah. is saying, Doctor Darcy is saying, she's like, oh yeah, he's a d, and then cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love the terrorist. The terrorist. The terrorist. And I also love that Dr. Darcy Lewis came up with naming it, nicknaming the Westview Anomaly the Hex. I think that's really funny. She's like, see, even you're calling it now to Monica yeah, when yeah, she yeah. said it by Chris accident. Nasmith. So proud of her nickname. I thought it was <laughs> that was great. That is, if Marvel's good at one thing, it is creating chaotic trios. And yes. for WandaVision, it's, it's definitely Monica, Agent Wu, and Darcy looking back at Falcon the Winter Soldier it was definitely Sam Bucky Zemo yeah. I think of Infinity it's, War it's perfect and there's so much yeah. uh, with Sharon Carter though, they, they pathos, became a, yeah. a chaotic quartet they did become court, oh, a chaotic yeah. quartet and I loved like my favorite one is probably Infinity War and that was Thor Groot and Rocket I loved them <laughs> well, I mean you're just talking about people I want to go to a bar and sing karaoke with over yeah, and over but, again <laughs> but, but if I'm going to a bar I want it to be uh Bradley Cooper's voice, but I, I definitely want ro- it to oh, be I Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. If there's one, yeah. we never got into our. If we could hang out with one character in the MCU, because that was my choice. Oh, Rocket! I, Rocket, Rocket I, don't, and me. I, I could not party argue against that all the time. Could not party argue all the against time. that. <laughs> I love so, it. So, but you know, this is all building to a head. Both what's going on outside of Westview and what's going on inside is is really coming to a head. We see it. Um, with with Wanda and Vision not seeing eye to eye on on basically a lot of things, he even says he goes, "Our minds used to be like one, but now I, it's not that way. I, I can't see what you're doing. You're, you're using your powers in front of uh, Agnes. You know, the the kids are are using whatever powers they have. Maybe in front of Agnes, we see them growing up like just randomly. I mean, one moment they're infants. yeah, he's like the rules you established that you're I was breaking. trying to play by. You're breaking. Yeah, it's it's. They yeah, did and a then, good job on that. Yeah. And then on the outside, you can see that not everybody over at Sword Headquarters is down with what Hayward's vision is for what needs to happen here. So you see a lot of splitting going on. Mm-hmm. And and it's coming to this big entire head, and you're waiting for this explosive moment. But instead, inside the anomaly, all of a sudden, there's like a knock at the door. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's probably Ag- Agnes again. Like, right? And then the door opens and you just see Wanda's face and it's hanging there and you're like, okay, what's going on yeah, here? It's like, like she's, it's like, it doesn't seem like something that she made happen either, which is like unusual for that world so far. Right. And then all of a sudden we get uh pan around to the back of the person who's at the door's head and you see this white hair and then, and Wanda's expression. And all of a sudden it pans back around and you see it's Pietro, but, but... there's a twist. Fiatro, it's, it's not, fake Pietro. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson who played Pietro in Age of Ultron. Instead, it's Evan Peters who plays um, Quicksilver in the X Men movies. And honestly, that when that first happened, it blew my mind. I forgot all of the rest of the episode when that first happened, uh, just because it was like, what just happened? Like there is way too much to to like talk about there. Like, how, why, what, what, what? what? I think I went through all the stages with this. Yeah, the 
actual emotion and electricity that just flowed out of my body when that scene happened <laughs> was insane. I almost probably broke the floor of my house because Bridget, I was can jumping I ask, up though, and are down. Are you a fan of uh, American Horror Story? Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll talk yes. offline. Oh, okay. okay. We, all right. Yeah. Well, and I. That's a universe, right before, by the way. That is. is a universe. It is a universe. I would love to talk about well, the Murphy verse. I need to bring this Murphy verse. Does that I'm include here for Glee? It. Glee. Yeah. yeah. Ratchet. Uh, includes yes. Ratchet okay. for sure. I don't know about Ratchet. Glee. No, let's Definitely really put Glee. them all into the universe. Definitely That's Glee. Amazing. Definitely Glee. <laughs> Glee um, somehow makes that all more dark. That's right? what I mean. It's, like, it's, it's so the contrast, the light to the dark. The okay, sorry, yeah. sorry, Bridget. <laughs> no, it's going to be part of our musical episode. It's fine. So I'll I'm save okay it for the musical ladies, episode. I'm ready for it. It's okay. So when this happened, I had just gotten out of quarantine because you know COVID sucks, and I had rewatched all of the X Men movies. Nice. So I was like, my X Men senses were just heightened to like Tingling. level twenty. <laughs> And this happened, and I did not know what to do. I have genuinely never been more surprised while watching a piece of Marvel content. Quick sidebar, though, Bridget. My mind. You said you rewatched all the X Men. What order? Yes. <laughs> release order. <laughs> yes. I know the answer. Yes, release order. <laughs> because I have no other way of watching films. Uh, I, I so, just, yeah, I knew. So we we talked about it. Um, two episodes ago where I, I told, told everyone I had the theory of Mojo. In, in, <laughs> I'm you know, still sad. And, but this would seem like it right. was, was heading in that direction. And that was the other thing. Like like uh, episode Perfect one and two. X-Men crossover. Yeah. Episode one and two, I was totally in on the Mojo theory. Episode three, I was still kind of there. Episode four knocked me off of that. But then this happened. And at the end, with this cliffhanger of, you know, Evan Peters' Quicksilver showing up, I was like, no, I, we're we're ba- I'm back in on this. Norm, this I'm so glad going. we didn't talk about this beforehand because I would have been so crestfallen if you had set my expectations there and it didn't happen. <laughs> so is that because Mojo like, like why is he, he ha- from the X Men universe? Yes, he's yes. from the X Men universe. But not only that, but he has he's uh, a interdimensional. <laughs> yeah, he has interdimensional. So he'd be powers. able to cross those worlds exactly, yes. and that's where I thought they were going. And I was I was so excited. When that and happened. he's all about TV and ratings, and all exactly. these are like the top shows of those eras. It, it makes so much sense okay. now, and I'm I like am sad they didn't. Very, think of it. very confused because we looked up Mojo on this last episode, and this is an ugly creature. And you're mm-hmm. telling me you wanted Wanda to open her front door in Westview and have this like slug no, 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 monster? No, 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 no. It's more that like we would pan out of Westview, and then we would pan out of the sword base, and then we'd pan out of the earth, and Mojo would be sitting there. <laughs> She's show running now. That makes yeah. much more sense. I thought you were saying you wanted she Wanda to open the door and this slug thing was just no, like no, hanging no. out em- there. Emily was smelling what the rock was cooking. <laughs> Pull the she strings. Pull the strings. It's uh, you know the, the, oh my the person God. behind the person now called that the shots. That the would the internet even more aflame. And and then you know the that's the cliffhanger for that for this episode. And then we have to wait another week before the next episode and you would expect that that we'd be out of the sitcom realities totally and we'd yeah. be there right back finding out why he's there how he got there why isn't he dead all this stuff but no that's not where it is we start off with a very malcolm in the middle start this was awesome i love this theme yeah. song they nailed this era 
like absolutely i mean they've nailed every other error up until this point but malcolm in the middle yeah, but it shows it. it shows your what generation you're from because you're like it really does. Wow, it really be, meant something to me. We're like, yeah, bro. Yeah, they, the other the other ones didn't mean anything to me. It was only this one <laughs> but, that but I this, actually connected with. But this doesn't, one's when also... they do it right, doesn't it also make you like, yeah, you just like you feel I, it, you feel it. If I had shut my eyes, I probably would have thought I was watching an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. The way that everything was flowing, the music, obviously the theme song was right on point and just the actors breaking like the fourth wall then coming back into yeah. right that's character. that's what i was gonna bring up yeah. was, that was the 90s man yeah amazing breaking the the style that wanda has already laid down for these uh, the earlier episodes um it's not told from this episode kind of isn't told from her point of view it's told from billy's point of view he's the one that's talking to camera yeah. he's the one who's setting up all these things in the beginning and then, of course, you know Evan Peters is just there, and honestly, is the com- the the, com- the comic, comic relief, relief the whole episode, uncle yeah. that you're expecting him to be, and it's great. He's yeah. like the Uncle Jesse, you know, that Uncle Joey, just that fun uncle archetype that everyone that I needs. I strive to be Uncle Joey. Yeah, <laughs> uncle more Joey. Uncle Joey. Yeah, you want to be Uncle, uncle Joey, Joey, Lucas? I oh my god, that you need to ask my nieces about that because. Who I think I am and who I actually am, it's like watching a WandaVision episode. <laughs> Thinking you're Uncle Jesse when you're really when you're an actually Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey. <laughs> That's a certain there's a circle of hell <laughs> for people. I love that. And then That's you know, funny. as we're going further more into this episode, we start seeing some some fun you know, some fun moments and you're like, Oh, okay, you know, uh Pietro showing back up is bringing levity back to this this group, this family. And all of a sudden, they seem to be joking around more. Wanda comes down. It's it's Halloween all of a sudden. And Wanda comes down in uh, an outfit. And they're like, whoa, what, what are you supposed to be? And she's like, oh, Sokovian fortune teller or whatever. And then Vision comes down. And he's supposedly a Lucha Libre wrestler. And everyone's just everyone's just having a, what seems to be a fun time. But then yeah, you but find... Let's talk so about the like costumes. weirdness <laughs> hidden, in the, hidden in the background, like in the dialogue. Because when Wanda comes down and... They're like, what are you dressed as? And she's like, I'm dressed as this. And Pietro like makes an makes a reference to a Halloween from their childhood. They're like, remember the Halloween that we, the year that we got typhus? And then there's like this flashback to like what looks like a war torn Sokovia, where there's like an old woman giving out herring as treats for them. And, oh, and it's, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's played for laughs, right? It's like played very comedically, but um, it's kind of a messed up situation. We come back to the oh, present, totally and Wanda's like. That's not how I remember it. And Pietro's like, you probably suppressed a lot of the trauma. And I'm like, huh, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, right in that same scene, like not even a minute later, when Vision comes down the stairs in his costume, Wanda makes a comment about what he's wearing and so does Pietro. And he like under his breath says, well, it was the only thing in my closet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then snaps back into it like nothing ever happened. You're like that's weird. He's obviously mad. Are we saving the costumes for uh, Easter yes, eggs? I, and, okay, I, I am just holding making it sure. for Easter eggs is why. Because I'm, watching this episode, like that was the so in so many ways the highlight of the fact that they found a way. Completely agree. Halloween, like it made so much sense for the storytelling, and it felt so natural. And still, like I, I really enjoyed the, all the costumes that everyone had. Yeah. 
not to jump the gun, but Quicksilver when he he puts up his little his little, his gets his, his Speedy Boy get up on like his hair is that supposed to look like Wolverine's hair or is that no? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that, but I could see them doing that. Uh, we'll talk about that in spoilers and Easter eggs. Okay. Nice. Okay, nice, nice. <laughs> that's that's fair. I do have a question for Emilia though. So when we're cutting back and forth between the sitcom and then outside the hex, obviously Monica and Darcy and Agent Wu are going out on their own because Hayward basically kicked them out of the setup tent everything and monica just like lays down some guards um <laughs> does she fit your theory of jocks we asked you this okay. last episode oh, and, okay. and you, you weren't sure yet so i want to know two episodes later what is your take on this so the short answer is that the joy is somewhat still out the long answer is that she keeps just teetering on the edge there because she's very like empathetic and she wants to understand what's going on and she wants the new ones and she's trying to figure out what's going on with Wanda because she has some history with superpowered beings and all of that stuff and there was like there's like stuff that she figured out um that she thought about like with uh, the way that the hex rewrites reality and and all of that she comes up with some cool ideas but she's also like extremely not careful um, she already got sucked into the hex once. She's like super game to go back in. And Darcy's like, you know, you've had your molecules rewritten twice. And like, I don't know, that's probably a lot of cancer in your future. And <laughs> Monica's like, I don't care about cancer. I just watched my mom die from cancer. So, and um, she's also kind of a workaholic, which doesn't really fit into the jock conversation. But it's, again, it's been three weeks since she came back from being like re-dustified and she has not taken a vacation her mom died like that just happened for her um and there's whole new re- it's just like nobody processes yeah, but, you know, trauma take a minute and process. in this world yeah but if you think about it what's happening with wanda she's going through some trauma and doesn't want to think about it and what is monica doing at the same time yeah went through some trauma doesn't want to think about it instead plows herself and we into see work what catastrophic effects that yeah, could lead so to maybe she's so, the perfect person moral, to have investigate this <laughs> moral of the story we've said this before get there go to therapy, go to therapy. <laughs> you know emily i'm gonna admit every time i come across a character now i, I try and apply your rules <laughs> the of the jock, jock. i really yeah, do you... I'm, not, I'm not joking and with monica <laughs> i've always been i've been flip-flopping um because she does get the idea that like huh my clothes let me go back but instead of telling anybody like hey this is what i think she just grabs jimmy woo's pistol and starts shooting at her disco outfit she's always a shoot first ask later yeah and she's like she's like it's my it's made of kevlar i knew it was gonna be it's like they're just like what are you doing you don't just fire a gun without ear protection in here (laughs) which by the way have we talked about that though in movies as movie tropes on this like (laughs) if you've ever fired a gun my god the the law the People would just be shouting it at each other in movies all the time because they have no hearing left. Anyway, pet peeve of mine. Actually, I, I do I, wonder. I I, something I'll know more from Monica once I know, like, if she's a jock, once I know more about her because I don't actually fully understand her motivations. Like, they make some allusions to her history with Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, but they don't really say anything about it. 
So yeah, she like they bring up Captain Marvel and she makes like a weird face. She like winces yeah, like, when the yeah. names get brought up. So I'm thinking that that's yeah. setting something up that we're gonna. Well, I would, more. I would think just just going off the top of my head, you know, in the Captain Marvel movie, she, she they were really close. She idolized yeah. Carol Danvers, and then all of a sudden, Carol Danvers she was disappears. Aunt Carol. Yeah, she's yeah. Aunt Carol. She disappears for a very long time, and then you know, uh, Does the she blip leave to, happens. Like, protect the universe or something. Right. Yeah, but then the blip happens, and she goes back out into space. But I don't think she took a minute to try and find Monica and talk to her. If she did, we we have no idea. Oh, maybe that's Carol Danvers that's is beyond that. She's like, uh, there. I got a million Monicas on my list. <laughs> oh, that yeah, doesn't just make you feel smaller, right? Well, the, that was their whole theory was floating around because between in f- the beginning of Avengers Endgame and the or by the end of Avengers Endgame, Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, like has a haircut, so she has long hair in the beginning, and then she has short hair. So once this episode came out and Mon- the character of Monica Rambo was introduced and it, we learned that her mother died of cancer there's this theory that Carol Danvers cut her hair in support of her best friend going through like chemotherapy Aww. treatment that was just a theory floating around well did she have an iPhone or did she have <laughs> oh the pager she, she had a pager what does that mean <laughs> oh my god you gotta consult the history books <laughs> Go to the ancient tomes to find this out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really enjoyed the kids in this one, by the way. Like, it's so funny. It's such a trope from the 80s that it, if you're sagging ratings later seasons, you introduce kids. And that's exactly what they did in WandaVision, right? Mm-hmm. And But, it, you know, as we discussed in the uh, after scene from last uh, season, uh, you know, the comic books had kids introduced as well so they were like pulling from the actual source material that they're doing this from uh and they actually did the trope of the 80s and they made them really interesting like which we've talked about as well norm right that yeah. when we're doing the um uh falcon and the winter soldier we're gonna we, there's a good chance we're gonna see these kids again right yeah i i, I believe so um you know I, I did enjoy the kids in this they're they're very fun both both of them uh, do a really good job of, of just bringing life to every scene. But, you know, the Evan Peters stole this episode from Yeah, me. I know. It's like it's hard for anybody to get he, admitted in that, you know, because of him. Yeah, his 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 demeanor is 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 different from what we've seen in the X-Men movies. But the the Uncle Joey route that he takes mm-hmm. is just fun to watch. And yeah. as he's using his super speed to go around and basically terrorize the neighbor hood with the kids is just great you watch them smashing pumpkins and meanwhile uh uh, the the neighborhood watch guy's like wait now now all the pumpkins are smashed and you see them smashing pumpkins and there's silly string on everybody and then you see the silly string he's saying it just before it happens though so i'm like magical neighbor canon (laughs) yeah well i just think that the kids do do a really good job in this episode so the actors that play um, I, I think Norm's laughing because I said doo-doo. You and did. I... You said doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> We're very mature on this show. Darn it. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Yep. But, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and anyways, so Billy is played by Julian Hillard, and then Tommy is played by Jet Klein. And Wait, these... so Billy is from House on Hunt Hill? Is that the kid? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
and in the upcoming The Conjuring, the latest Wait, Conjuring film. The, the which house, I need to watch. The haunt, which TV show? The Haunting of Hill House? Haunting of Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah Haunting of Hill the House. Sorry. The House of Haunting Haunt Hill was a uh, movie It's all based from, off the same source wow. material. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing him in The Haunting of Hill House. Or was that the was, next season? He was the kid with the glasses, which is, he also plays the kid with the glasses, I think, in this one. Where are my glasses? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think that those two do a really stunning job, though. And, I mean, they're playing with big players in this, and they really do hold their own. Especially uh, Julian Hillard, who plays Billy, because in the beginning, the camera work, it's him breaking the fourth wall. Uh, it's it's him for, that's first narrating it with uh, his brother, and they do a really really great job of setting the scene for this episode. So yeah, he he's definitely doing a great uh, Frankie Muniz. Uh, yes, no, maybe oh, I don't know. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, he's like Mal- he does the Malcolm really well. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. He does a great job, but. Meanwhile, so while all this shenanigans is going on in the neighborhood and they're having fun trick-or-treating, Vision is doing some investigating of his own. Yep, he and goes to the edge of town where they store all the extra assets and it's very scary. <laughs> it's where they yeah. store all the Halloween animatronics that people use to put on their front lawns to scare <laughs> people. That's what it looks like. Basically, it's the it's the beta version of the uh, NPCs just walking into walls and, and yeah. getting glitched uh, somewhere where they're not supposed to be. There's one like like hanging a single a single piece of clothing, a single piece of laundry over and over again while crying a single tear. One tear, one tear. And Vision but, is able to free yeah. them. Like, is that? Um, That's interesting, right? It like, is kind of interesting. Like how? Yeah, how? How is he able to do that, and where is this going to go? That's yeah. Well, that's I actually think a really good I question. I yeah. I don't understand how he's able to free them at all, other than maybe just because uh, of his link to Wanda. It's the only thing I can yeah. think of. But also, I'm like, okay, so we get the impression that he's been he's dead and he's resurrected, so he seems to be a construct. Uh, Which that, of Wanda, by the way, opens up but, a whole can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> It does, but at the same time, then you're like, wait, but is he actually autonomous? And he seems to be, which is even more interesting, you know? And I'm curious to see how they're going to, you know, thread this needle with, like, his storyline and how he's connected to Wanda. It seems very, you know, The the interesting part is is he's he's noticing he's further away from the, the center of town, and all of a sudden these people are just acting very weird, but, you know, he he has that moment where he flies up to to mm-hmm. notice this pattern and then he notices a car like just just at the stalled end of out. this just stalled out somewhere and when he goes down he finds Agnes just sitting there in their car, car just like frozen and he's like what's going on and and she's like yeah i i was heading to the town center and i made a wrong turn and got lost and he's like you got lost in the town you grew up in that seems weird and then he he like breaks her out of it and all of a sudden she's She's shocked to see him because she, I mean, she says it. She goes, am I dead? And he's like, no, why, why would you think that? And she's like, because you are. Yeah. yeah and that's visions creepy credit to like his, and this I think is part of why it felt more, more like the Marvel parts and the sitcom parts felt linked because through the whole thing, vision is much more like his, like how we have seen him in the movies where he's like a, basically a paragon of moral high ground and, He's just like intelligence, and, intelligence, yeah, right. 
not a, not a hint of ego about him. So like when she's like, you're dead, his first impression is not, I'm dead, which I think would be 90% of people. <laughs> yeah. But instead, he's he's primarily concerned about the well-being of like Agnes and the other civilians. And that is like consistently his motivation. Like when he goes back and he fights with Wanda, he's like, these people. So much empathy, yeah. Exactly. And he's not really concerned. Like, I mean, he has the line where he's like, I don't remember what my life was before Westview. But besides that, everything he says is basically like, you can't do this to those people. <laughs> Yeah, and and that uh that line I don't can't remember what my life was before Westview comes back here because she reminds him that he's an Avenger and he's like what's an event what's an Avenger? So like, think so- about this for a second, guys. I never thought about this till we're discussing it. The vision that w- existed pre you know uh, pre the WandaVision show is was dead. Wanda resurrected him, but the the version that exists now is her interpretation of him, which is infused with humanity that she knew existed underneath that shell that he presented to the world. But now he's able to express it because it's her interpretation of the man she knew was there. That's pretty cool. That is. Alan could also, wow. at this point, we don't... <laughs> I like that Norma at least was picking up what I was putting down. Honestly, I wish that our listeners could see this recording sometimes because the bromance that is blooming bromance on is screen developing. between Lucas and Norm is just overwhelming. <laughs> and we've never met in person. We're like, you know, you're a construct, man. I just think you're an AI at this point. And, and one of the things that we see here... Um, is as Vision's uncovering more and more of this truth that he's finding out, um, we're also discovering that uh, Quicksilver, that Pietro, is also starting to prod Wanda about how she's actually doing all of this. He, he basically asked her, where, where were you keeping all these kids? Because before mm, this, and yeah. Vision makes that co- that uh, comment before, like, I don't know where all these kids came from all of a sudden. I never see them and, and whatnot. And now here, here they all are, very conveniently. Yeah. And and Pietro's just like, where did they all come from? He's really grilling her. It's it's like he does not. I'm like, what what's going on with this guy? Because he's not he's not a stray NPC. He's not under Wanda's control. He seems to have his own agenda. Or doesn't appear to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And also too, she Wanda asks Pietro. Uh, she goes, what happened? Yeah, I like that. She's like, what happened to your accent? And he immediately goes, well, what happened to yours? yours. And, well, it was, it was and a... her face was like, oh, the audacity. <laughs> it was a question they were all asking before. So Right, right. But it also, um, because the only time we saw her accent come back was in episode five, where she, they basically, Hayward sends a missile in to take down Wanda and she like a boss lady breaks out of the hex and is just like no you it's will like, I got not you, do I, this I got your toy is this yours this yours <laughs> did you throw take this it. did you throw this football on my lawn <laughs> get out of here yard. <laughs> she gets Come her accent on. back and she gets her she, accent, she gets her back, accent back um but yeah it was really it was really great i really enjoyed evan peters in this episode like lucas said he really did see the show but I am very excited uh, for listeners to check out our interview that we did with the Mars FX team who did a lot of work on this episode. So we were talking about, you know, Vision when he transforms from his 
suburban costume into the real vision and he flies up in the sky they did a ton of work on this episode that was awesome and so yeah so i was so excited to rewatch this episode after speaking with them yeah it was great this is what like visually this is one of the best episodes they did not only with um the set design the costumes because it's halloween the effects it's like this i think is one of the tightest episodes for you know just visually for everything yeah, Lucas, I totally agree with you that this was probably one of the most visually appetizing episodes of the yes. series so far. Uh, and I have enjoyed rewatching this episode every single time I've seen it. It just keeps getting yeah. better and better for me. Uh, the hex moving out and consuming all of the sword base and turning it on stuff like right before our eyes. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. The turning into clowns. That, yeah. I mean, yes. That, I, I mean, the most visually stunning part of this episode to me was watching Vision exit the hex and then yeah. all of a sudden see the hex, you know, since he's outside the hex, it mm-hmm. pulling him back. Back in. Away, like, well, it was like pulling him apart because, you know, he belongs inside the hex. So you see him like basically, I guess you want to say dying. Yeah. And, and he's he's there. And, and, and Dr. he's still Darcy, fighting against it, which is cool. Yeah. I no, great acting. Yeah. Yeah. Great acting was, and great, great, uh, great special effects there. It's just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I was definitely getting also like the end of Infinity War vibes from that mm-hmm. scene. Like it was just a little bit watching him sort of deteriorate before your eyes, and then the same thing, you know, when Wanda was destroying the Mind Stone back in yeah. the day. I don't even want to talk about it. It's too emotionally it's too traumatizing. <laughs> I'm still too raw. But but again, for for a streaming ser- service to have this good of special effects for for it to be grounded still within the mcu mm-hmm. it speaks a lot to the mars team and it speaks a lot to uh to anthony and what juan have done there just great job the the two guys over at uh mars yeah they were the ones that we spoke with um and they had a lot to say about the different details that they worked on obviously a ton of stuff about the um like the sitcom uh, effects that they recreated for this but also about the the very very like high quality cinematic special effects that they did that look just like the movies like that scene where Bridget you mentioned it where like he turns from his Halloween costume uh, to his actual like full on with the cape and the suit and everything and he, he like just rises into the, into the air that was it, that could have been lifted straight from like Infinity War Oh, easily, like without question. And again, it just seems so flawless when you're watching this episode. You don't even think about it being honestly a special effect because it just happens. You're like, yeah, you just turned into normal vision. Like, it, it, per it usual. belongs in this universe. It, it's it's in tune with what we've seen so far in the mar- in the MCU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this isn't about VFX, but my favorite thing about. Um, my fa- one of my favorite things about when the hex was expanding was as everyone was getting like cleansed into a circus or like a sitcom thing themed thing uh when Darcy got pulled in she was saying oh f- uh she was saying oh fudge but you know that's not what she would have said <laughs> if she hadn't been consumed <laughs> I don't I I'm not sure if I'm mistaken but I'm pretty sure her character had the same thing happen in what one of the earlier Thor films? I remember rewatching it after watching WandaVision, mm. and now for the life of me, I can't think of where it was. But the same thing happened; they cut him off, 
at the oh i don't know what i know exactly what the trope is the trope is at the end of the spider-man films that's what they do they cut off mid-swear because oh, at yeah. the end wow. of spider-man homecoming aunt may walks in on peter parker becoming what spider-man the- what the and then it's <laughs> a good callback yeah and then they do the same thing at the end of spider-man uh far from home i knew i wasn't making this up i'm like i know well, this just Austin happened powers too as the best cut off at the square where anyway so y'all i will post that on the twitter which <laughs> is like Twitter. an old trope of cutting on the cursing and anyway anyway so, so easter eggs speaking of right exactly <laughs> i think we covered our reactions good segue y'all norm i'm right. still reacting but he's ready for easter eggs <laughs> All right, it's time to dig in deep with Easter eggs and maybe a few theories. All right, well, sound the alarm. We're heading into into spoiler alert territory, but since we've already all watched WandaVision, we're going to play along and try not to spoil anything. So let's try and play dumb, guys. Do our best. I got you covered. Okay, there's some. There's actually some really great uh, Easter eggs in this. Um, starting off with, I'm actually going to skip ahead to uh, episode uh, six because honestly, I couldn't wait to see Wanda and Vision in their comic book accurate costumes. That's all I wanted to talk about this whole episode. <laughs> it, it's it's a great callback. Um, they they do they do a funny job of making it work with uh with Wanda saying she's a Sokovian fortune teller and yes. then Vision just apparently being a lucha libre which is great cuz I I do love Mexican wrestling so yeah but that's the thing is like it's always awkward when they try to transition designs that look good on a comic book into the real life it's just always difficult look go through the batman go through superman go through spider-man go through every superhero ever and it's a struggle to be like this worked on a comic page and now to put it into real life they always and go so, through some growing pains before they land on something <laughs> <laughs> but that's it like they did a they were like okay so we're going to give them the co- the accurate what it looked like in the comic book, but it makes sense because it's during Halloween because that's what you dress up as is comic book characters. So it was like finding the perfect excuse to give them the accurate costumes from the comic book. But it wasn't just Wanda and Vision. You also see uh, Pietro um, change into his what would be close yes, enough the, to a uh, Quicksilver, Quicksilver yeah. outfit. And But the one that was probably the most spot on was actually Billy's. Billy's costume looked extremely like what Wiccan's costume does. Who is he would grow up to be in the comic books? Ooh, that's a cool spoiler. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Young and then um, <laughs> Young. Uh, Tommy's costume is close. It's really close. Uh, in the comic books, Tommy's costume is more green, but um, he just kind of rips off Evan Peters because, as you can see in this episode, he's idolizing yeah, he his uncle a lot. So. so that was fun to me. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are a couple other ones here. Um in episode four, Darcy calls the anomaly a hex because it's hexagon- hexagonal shape. That's great. It's a great way to tie it in with the comics as well because whenever Wanda would cast her magic in the comic books, it was called hex magic. Wait, um, actually, I remind me where does the where do we see the hex shape again? Because I have forgotten. <laughs> Uh, Darcy points it out from the overhead map when Hayward's giving the uh, getting everyone together and you see the digital oh, layout the shape hexa- of the whole yep. 
dome is of, a hex. Around the dome, yep, is okay. a hex. Got it. <laughs> um, the dog in the episode five. R.I.P. Name is Sparky. Uh, in the comic books, Vision creates his own family, and he takes a neighbor's dog who apparently passes, unfortunately passes away, and turns him into a synthesoid dog named <laughs> Sparky. That's hysterical. Yes. So, can dogs? Are azaleas actually poisonous and can kill dogs? Does anyone happen to know? <laughs> uh, a quick Google search will let us know if that's true. I know true nothing or not. about because plants. if that's the case. Azaleas should really not be as common as they are. It's kind of right, messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I do know that uh, Easter lilies are poisonous to dogs, and people put them out all the time. Huh. Oh. Okay, well, maybe that's something so, we put on our Twitter page. Just total non sequitur. Here's some plants. <laughs> okay, here you go. This is according to southernliving.com. All right. Azaleas are a great example. They're found in just about every yard where they will grow, and they can be lethal to dogs and cats if consumed. There we go. But because dogs and cats don't eat them, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a stretch for this. They're like, yeah, maybe, oh, you know, poinsettias? Maybe poinsettias would have been a better idea. This is... Or peony. Right now, peonies are blooming, and they're gorgeous, by the way. I sent my mom for Mother's Day a whole bouquet of peonies. She was very happy oh. with it. So instead of azaleas, think about maybe putting out peonies. Uh, another good callback. Uh, Darcy brings up the Sokovia Accords. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, we see the twins get their powers. Mm-hmm. We see Tommy has the speed that his uncle has and we see that Billy is probably packing some magic powers like mommy mm-hmm. seems that way he stops uh, his brother in mid uh, mid super run and then he he can sense that um, that vision's in trouble yeah he has like some kind of clairvoyance telekinesis yeah there's a uh, commercial in episode 5 for Lagos Mm-hmm. which was the place where um, Civil War, the Captain America Civil War movie takes place in the very beginning and where Wanda unfortunately blows up some innocents while trying to save Cap from crossbones. I love I loved the catchphrase for that commercial, Lagos, for when you make a mess, you didn't mean to. <laughs> yes, it was great. It was really good. Uh, they they had the classic like um, paper towel commercial trope where they like do the comparison of the next leading brand, yes. and then they had the the like the hapless useless husband trope as well. That felt too real. <laughs> By the way, has anybody noticed that the husband, the man and woman in all of these commercials so far oh, have yeah. been the same the people? Same people, yeah. Same okay, people. I don't know if anybody noticed that before. I, I just noticed it on the second watch, being like, these are the same actors each time. I didn't Brilliant. notice that the, uh, the first time around. Neither did I. Second time around is, is when I finally noticed. That's funny. Um, and now two of my absolute favorite Easter eggs from these entire episodes. Uh, when Pietro is about to take the kids trick-or-treating, he yells out, Demon Spawn. Which is great because uh, in the comic books, uh, this was, this was uh, just retconned recently in the comic books that 
Billy and Tommy were manifestations of from Mephisto. Mephisto, which you <laughs> talked about, yeah. It was the Marvel Devil, so I thought that was that was great. But and and, and, up- and and yeah, and so we talked about last episode of our show that that Mephi- the one of the theories that people had is that maybe the kids were from Mephisto, right? So the- because that was from the comic books, yeah. And then my absolute favorite one, and it's a really quick one that that goes by really quick, um, the. Uh, the neighborhood watch guy says to Wanda something about kick ass. And then she goes kick ass. And I thought that was great because all of a sudden, if you remember anything about Aaron Taylor Johnson was that probably the movie everyone knew him from was the movie kick ass where he starred as the lead. I did not. With Evan Peters. Evan Peters is in that movie. Yeah, as yeah. as his friend. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! Now I'm gonna have to go I, back I and watch that. that. I haven't seen that in years. Such a good movie. Oh, it's, it's such a good phenomenal. Movie. Henry Jackman did the music for Kick Ass, so it's really all coming together in the universe. It's, it's really, really good. Henry Jackson, the uh, so I'm sorry, Henry Jackman, the composer who we of course interviewed. Catch it on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> so I have a couple of random little small Easter eggs that I noticed. So in the beginning of episode five, during the theme song, we see a portrait getting painted of Wanda and Vision and their two kids. The pen that is painting the picture is floating and it's Wanda's magic that is controlling the pen. Because you know how she gives off that like the red or yeah. like light? That's exactly mm-hmm. what the pen is doing. So I thought... That was interesting. And in that same episode, when Wanda does emerge from the hex, throwing the missile back at Hayward, I that scene, she turns the guns onto everyone. And that was, to me, a straight callback to the first X-Men movie where Magneto, Magneto takes yes. ev- all the policemen's guns and turns them on them. I mean, well, you do know that there's a connection there, right? Between Ma- Magneto and Wanda. Magneto in the comics is Wanda's father, correct? Y- um, okay. I am your father. Really quickly, yes and no. Uh, okay. it's it, it's gone back and forth between the two. Um, a lot of people will talk about the reason why it's no right now is because um, when the rights were in dispute between uh, Disney and Fox for um, the X-Men characters and especially Wanda and Pietro, they tried making it so to retcon them so that they weren't mutants, that they were actually always had this gift and that uh, Magneto was not their father. But most comic book fans you talk to will say, ah, that, that's it. that just seemed not right. And they, they kind of brushed it off as not being true. So they still hold true to the fact that uh, Magneto is her father and Pietro's father. Interesting. Yeah, I just love that scene because immediately that's the vibe I got with that first X-Men movie. And that's a scene that I think about all the time because it was awesome. That wasn't a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, no, I figured. I figured it wasn't. And then my last little Easter egg is when they are in the town square at Halloween in episode six and you see the movie theater behind them. The movies that were playing in the theater were The Parent Trap and The Incredibles, which oh, was perfect. Yeah, because those were the movies that were coming out at that time. And I can say that I did see those. Essentially, the in plot theaters. of the entire Wanda vision is The Parent Trap and The Incredibles, right? Right. That's yes. it's exactly so. They did it on purpose. Is like reinforcing the themes, including the, there were no pop music cues in these two episodes. I did listen out for them. 
But yes, there wasn't. I think that the theme songs actually served the purpose instead, because before the pop music cues were all like giving you hints about what's really going on, and here, episode five, the theme is the theme songs do the same job. Episode five, it's the songs called something along the lines of like making it up as we go along, and it's about like, uh, you know, the, everything's crumbling around us. How do we just how do we keep making it up as we go along? Um, and there's like a real nostalgia to that, and that fits with the theme of that episode. Episode six is the Malcolm in the Middle um, grunge rock theme, and it's like um, something about like just go with it, or like yeah, you can't control it. Yeah, yeah, right. You can't control it. Like there, you can't control the chaos. Just go with it. And I was listening to the lyrics, and I was just like, oh, this is still quite blunt. But like, you wouldn't necessarily think to listen very closely for those lyrics. So it is very rewarding to rewatch this because everything is just like tells a very consistent story. I agree. I agree. I think what's funny though, is if you think back on those shows, like the theme songs were just so arbitrary and weird (laughs) back in the eighties and nineties. Like, you know, like they had a theme song that kind of captured the spirit of the show and it had somewhat nothing to do with it, but they actually put a lot of effort and thought into making it match (laughs) the era and actually say something. Cause come on, besides the golden girls, (laughs) <laughs> Thank you all for about being, a being a friend, and they definitely stay true to that. I mean, what other Traveled one really captured like growing and back pains? Again. Yes, we should all <laughs> now sing that song together. Oh Five, no, just kidding! Four, Copyrights, guys, three. don't do it! Don't do it! We can't DMCA, get sued. Anyone? <laughs> um, I do. I did notice though a couple things in this. Without have running, I've never read the comics for this, but. Something definitely hanky seems to be going on because in when Monica comes back from being in the hex, they're doing trying to do all these scans on her and everything's coming back all funky. Uh, like they can't read her x-ray, her blood work's all messed up. So I don't know. Something happened I, to her. Something happened to her. Is so, she becoming a mutant? So Are the mutants two, coming Maybe she's in? just X-Men? getting all the cancer because that's realistically <laughs> what would happen. Is Mojo coming? Two Mojo things. Jojo? Two things in the very first uh, part of that episode, they uh, they say to her that um, they have to rerun the tests because um, they didn't they didn't come back really quite right. And when they look at it, they were they were like incomplete or messed up. And you find out later that it was because Hayward took all that and classified it so that they couldn't see it. So that's one of the reasons. Um, The other reason is, is, um, yes, in the comic books, Monica Rambeau does exist. She is a superhero. And at one point or another, she goes by Aunt Carol's name of Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel. Ooh, that's fun. As well as Photon, which apparently was her mom's nickname on her, her, uh, her call sign fighter, or whatever. Her call sign on the yeah. fighter jet was Photon. So that's, uh, that, cool that's what she ends name. up. That's what she ends up going with in the, the comic books um, is Photon. So I'm just excited to see if Emilia thinks Monica's going to be your jock or not. That's what I'm waiting for these next few episodes. We'll find That's out. All. We get a little more character development, we'll find out. We shall. Yeah, if I had a superhero name, it would be Muon. That's a total... Anybody, anybody going to touch that, or are we just going to... we just going to let that one go. Norm, are you not like into what's happening in the latest in physics with uh, the new discoveries we've had? 
so I think we covered it all. <laughs> I think we covered it all. That's our music. Yeah, I think we covered it all. If you want to tell us your theories, ask questions. Or your favorite particle or subparticle. Be sure to do so on our Twitter page at the Versecast. It's our most chaotic episode yet. Speaking of which, this is where we usually connect with our listeners as we head towards the crossroads of space and time. Beams of light, hand type messages, timey wimey, sophisticated high tech phone thing, yada yada. Well, it's broken. Yeah, someone thought it would be a good idea to hit with a sledgehammer. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I, I, I just got a little carried away, okay? It's all right, Bridget. I'm optimistic we can have it back up and running next week. Yeah, I mean, like, I could definitely try dropping this anvil on it. Bridget, Bridget! No! <laughs> Come on, guys. You're lame. Maybe we should talk about that mysterious voice that came out of this thing last episode. Wait a minute. You heard that too? We all heard it. Did you not hear our over-the-top dramatic reactions? Oh yeah, I thought it was just some sort of performance art. I thought it was hallucinating. What was that? Guys, guys, I know you want to discuss mysterious voices that you thought you heard, but I'd rather hear from real voices, like all of our listeners. So please keep those questions coming. Send us your comments on Twitter. The show's handle is at the Versecast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Lucas Longacre, check me out on Instagram and on Twitter at Luconian Logic. That's L-U-K-O-N-I-A-N Logic. And you can also find me on both Twitter and Instagram at BridgetBrogan16. And you can find me, Emilia, on Twitter at Emilia U at E-M-I-L-I-A-Y-U. And you can follow me, Norm Felker, on Twitter at random underscore white guy. Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, a.k.a. Film Snork, who when we last heard from him, he was on a vacation with uh, Nick Fury up in space. Uh, so I'm pretty sure space yeah, I'm pretty sure that our producer's been a scroll the past few weeks and we just we don't know. But we don't know because we actually never have seen his face. But anyways, basically everyone's a yeah. scroll. Yeah. Film scroll. But that's true. <laughs> but you can follow him still at Film Snork on Twitter and Letterbox. I don't know, do scrolls watch movies? I don't know. I don't know. We can only hope. Son of a scroll. Is that our music already? That means it's time to wrap up. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Steven Kruzikowski. All right, this is your daily affirmation. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Every pizza can be a personal pizza as long as you believe in yourself. Amen. Thanks, Norm. (laughs) I think I said it before, but this is our most chaotic episode yet. (laughs) It is. It very is.